was the sense that Windsor was the worst place to live if you're a woman. I want us to change the narrative to say Windsor is the Essex is the best place if you're a woman to live, to start a business, to grow a business, uh, and to be a leader. Women are 67% less likely to self-promote than men empower women entrepreneurs. Women owned 34% of businesses in Windsor, Essex. Women have to be part of that process. They need to be part of that plan. Women were underrepresented in every single area. We can ensure um, that we can continue to move the dial. Found that they had imposter syndrome. In terms of Rise Windsor, Essex, increasing the number of women entrepreneurs. And that addresses the needs of women entrepreneurs at this time are designed to really celebrate women. Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting young female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. I've officially teamed up with Rise Windsor Essex to bring you stories of Windsor Essex's very own female entrepreneurs. We're here to celebrate women in the area who have made it happen. So today I'm here speaking with Melinda from Nomad. Melinda, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks, Sarah, for having me. It's really nice to be included in this group of women um, in this podcast series that you have on entrepreneurship. I'm very honored to be part of this. Thanks. Wow, thank you. Yes, of course. We're, we're so happy to have you. So how about we start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, no problem. So I am originally from the Essex County area. Um, I grew up on a family farm um, and, um, you know, growing up in Kingsville in the Leamington area gave me a solid um, background and values from my family. I um, I have always had a desire to travel and to understand cultures and people and a bit of anthropology as well. Um, but um, I spent about 20 years before opening Nomad um, working in corporate finance, and that also gave me the ability to travel and see see the world um, through my own lens and through through like the lens of maybe corporate finance as well. Um, and then when I moved home to to Kingsville. After a number of years, I made the decision to to open Nomad, um, which is a home decor and furniture shop in Kingsville. Wow, it's an incredible story. And so can you tell us a bit about what made you decide to start your own business after working in corporate finance? Um, I think after 20 years abroad, um, I was really starting to want to come home and craving that stability that I never had had. Um, with with my career, I had lived in seven different countries and on average moved about every two and a half years. So I was always reaching for the next promotion, the, that corner office, um, the next goal. And so I, I landed up in Mexico City um, as a chief operating officer of a hedge fund and a, and a partner of that company. Um, and I built that business up and again, like I said, the stability, living living abroad, not having my family around for 20 years, um, I think gave me the motivation to, to want to come home um, and be closer to family and have that stability. And um, I'd always 
had the shop in the back of my mind. It was always something that I had wanted to do during my travels. I was always looking at the things in the streets that artisans were making or, you know, traveling through Thailand and seeing the great works, um, carvings of teak uh, or batik fabrics. And I was always just searching and I was just looking and creating a library of products and, and items that I just adored and loved and always thought would be a bit of a dream to, to open a store and curate these things from around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's amazing. And I love, you know, where the idea came from and um, that you were able to, you know, sort of live out that dream of opening the store. And so do you mind sharing too, what made you decide on the name Nomad and also sort of what it means for maybe some of the listeners that don't know? So a nomad is actually a tribe of people who do not have a permanent home and they move from place to place, typically in in sub-Sahara Africa um, or the Middle East where they're typically cattle herders and they move from place to place. So the name actually is is me and it's how I see myself. Um, I didn't come up with the name myself. A very good friend of mine, Kate Stewart, she named the shop one day um, when we were up in, in Toronto and we were kind of going from shop to shop looking for ideas pre-Nomad before I opened. And we were just talking about my life and my experience and my travels. And I said that um, I felt a bit like a gypsy and she said like a nomad. And she turned her head and said, that needs to be the name of your store. And it, it stuck and I loved it and I never looked back. Wow. Yeah. I, I love the name of it and the meaning behind it as well. And, you know, with that, you bring in products sort of from all over the world. Can you tell us just a bit about the process of finding these products and, you know, how, how you come about them and decide to bring them in? Sure. Yeah. So it's a bit of a mix of a lot of things, but I think, like I had said, I'd always had the store in the back of my mind. Um, when I was a teenager, I had come across a store locally here where the woman had curated things from around the world. And I thought, wow, that would be a really cool um, business idea. What a great model. But obviously, when you're a teenager, you, you know, life takes you in a different direction. And I, I went down the path of corporate finance. Um, but through my travels, and I I always would see things. I've always been curious. So not only did I travel for my career, but I traveled personally as well, predominantly to a lot of more off the beaten track countries and off the beaten track places. I, I love to get lost in a market um, in Thailand or in Tanzania or, you know, in the, in the back streets of Oaxaca, Mexico, and talk to the people and understand how they make them and what is the process behind it? How long does it take? And so throughout my years traveling and living abroad, there was always, I guess, a library that I was keeping in my mind. Sometimes I would even write things down in a, in a notebook um, of who they were, grab their card. And so it was always um, something that was in the back of my mind. So now I rely on a lot of those, I guess, that, that memory bank. And I go back to those places um, or I'll go on a buying trip. Now COVID has limited that. Um, so I, I can't travel as much as I would like to, but I'm fortunate 
to have all those contacts still, um, whether it's through social media or Facebook or Instagram, I reach out and, and I, I speak to my friends who I met abroad um, and they help me. I also Google a lot. Um, I'm also looking at trends in the interior design space, what's trending, um, and I source out very good quality vendors as well who manufacture products um, in India, in Thailand, in Vietnam. Um, I try to work with companies who are B Corp companies. A B Corp company is um, a company that adheres to a specific set of standards, um, whether it's sustainability, fair trade, ethical practices, working practices, um, compensation practices. So I try to align myself with vendors if they are, um, you know, small batch makers who align with my own values. Social impact and social entrepreneurship is something that's very close to my heart and giving back to the communities that I, I source from is very, very important to me and building relationships with um, the artisans and the makers and the companies that I work with is pretty much at the center of the mission of Nomad. Wow. Yeah, I, I love I love that that's sort of, you know, the way that you've taken your business and the values behind it. And I think it's so important to what you're talking about the social impact. And do you mind just sharing a little bit more on this? And, you know, that is what, what sort of guides the value of your shop, like you said. Um, can you tell us just more like wh why this is important to you? And when you were creating your business, how did you know that this was going to be, you know, a very strong impact on what you want your business to stand for? Yeah, of course. It goes back a number of years ago when I was working um, in finance and traditionally in hedge funds and in corporate finance, you're working with a group of individuals that um, has access to capital, has access to funding, um, is highly educated. And I kind of woke up, well, I did wake up one day and thought I really would like to use my skills and the, what I've gained over these years, but put it in a different direction. And I, I refer to it as profits with purpose, um, which is also social entrepreneurship, um, social impact investing. And so I started looking into um, opportunities abroad and it actually took me to Guatemala about seven years ago. And I, I studied Spanish and I worked in a nonprofit that was a social impact incubator, which means that small companies say it's Maria who wants to make bread. She doesn't necessarily need a micro loan for $50. She might need, you know, $5,000. That access to capital in Guatemala does not exist like it would exist here where I could go to the bank and get a small business loan. So it comes from private investment and there's a lot of um, institutions and investment funds that specifically invest in these types of entrepreneurs. So as opposed to giving grant money or giving donations, you you give them a loan or you you invest a into their company and take a bit of their equity and there's an ownership there and it's a pride and it gives them the ability to work towards a goal. And so I learned about that when I was in Guatemala and I, I really, I loved the idea and I saw that it worked. It worked a lot better than giving somebody 
money as a donation. It's more of a hand up as opposed to a handout. And I, I saw the results of it and I saw the impact of it. And I landed up then moving to Mexico, like I had said earlier, and our fund um, in Mexico had a similar philosophy where 10% of our profits were given to impact investing. And again, I saw the results of this and I saw that it worked and it created an ownership. And it also was people like myself and people like the company that I had worked with were giving back into those communities. So it's transferring that knowledge um, of how to build a company, how to how to pitch to get capital, how to understand your PL, how to understand your balance sheet, how to understand the financial kind of model behind your business. And so um, I liked the ownership behind that. And I like that it gave especially women um, a pride in something that was theirs and that they worked towards. So when I opened Nomad, kind of bringing it full circle, I knew that I wouldn't be running a social impact fund um, in, in investing in, in businesses, but I knew that I could do it on a small scale um, and I could do it in my own way. And um, so one of my guiding principles, like I said, is profits with purpose. So when I work with companies or artisans, I make sure that I know who I'm working with and I build a relationship with them. And I've started a small series on Instagram where it's called Meet the Makers. So I believe it's important to give them a platform and to show my audience and show my consumers how much work goes into making a rug or a tea towel. Um, why does linen cost so much more money than cotton? You know, and, and explain these processes to them um, and introduce them to the people who are making their products. So it's very important for me to give back to these communities, whether it's through buying product or whether it's investing back into um, certain programs that they have in their community that are helping create local entrepreneurs, um, specifically in countries like Mexico and Guatemala and India, where, you know, living standards are not as good. So I believe that I think that we should kind of leave our corner of the world better than we found it. And this is my way of doing that on a small scale. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And uh, there's so much there that I know I learned I, and the way that you explained it. Um, I just think that it's incredible and the story behind it and what that what your store stands for. Um, and then I'm also curious, you know, you're bringing in products from all over the world. What made you decide um, Kingsville specifically to open your store? Well, Kingsville's home. I grew up in the county. Um, I went to Kingsville High School. And Kingsville, Kingsville is my home. It's where I personally live. I also believe that, you know, being part of the community was something that I, I wanted to do. Kingsville is a vibrant, up-and-coming community. We have a lot of tourism here. And as opposed to opening my shop in a, in a bigger market like Toronto or even going into Windsor, I had the ability to enter the marketplace here more economically. I also, when I came home, I saw a gap in the marketplace in, in Essex County where there wasn't a, a very good quality home goods, home decor, furniture shop that I was used to seeing when I was kind of, you know, wandering the streets of maybe Toronto or New York or even in Mexico or Guatemala. I always saw these really cute and beautiful boutiques that had these really unique items. And I wanted to bring that experience to 
to my home, to Kingsville. And also we draw a lot of tourists in Kingsville. So I'm not only, um, you know, working with locals, but I'm also kind of getting to, to tell my story and, and tell the mission to some of the other people that come visit our little town. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are some really great points there. And then also with opening the store in Kingsville, how did you first market your business? You know, you said, especially, you know, with the tourism markets coming in through here, how did you market your business then? And even now as it's evolved? (laughs) Marketing hasn't been um, something that I've really put into place or put into practice. I rely totally on social media right now, especially with COVID. So I opened in mid-November 2019 and then March 2020, I had to close. So it's been a very, very difficult year with COVID. So having a strong marketing plan during this time has kind of been put back on the back burner. I've been more focused on survival Um, and relying on social media because I don't have a strong budget right now or a large budget for for marketing. So I rely on social media. I rely on word of mouth. Um, I work with a few local social media influencers. But for the moment, that's really where things stand in terms of marketing. I do plan to ramp up my marketing in 2021 with a proper marketing plan and probably hire a marketing strategist to help me out with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched on another good point there with COVID-19 and how has this affected your business? Um, You know, like you said, with the tourism, but also not being able to travel to get your products, which you normally do. Can you tell us just a little bit about how this has affected your business? Um, I think it's dramatically impacted my business in so many different aspects of what you said there is one, I'm not allowed to travel. Um, and two, financially, it's been it's been difficult. Um, you know, I I don't know as a as a startup in less than one year um, running this business, I don't necessarily know where I would have been if COVID wouldn't have happened. So it's very hard, even from a financial perspective, to you know to forecast or to prepare budgets as to where I should be because we're living in such an uncertain time. Um, in terms of pivoting my business, it forced me to go online a lot quicker than I had originally anticipated. Um, I've chosen not to ship because I am the only person that works at Nomad. I, I don't have any employees, so I'm not at a point where I'm ready to grow that quickly um, and to start shipping and to building out that infrastructure, which is a whole other world of, of operational infrastructure and platforms and technology that I would need. So COVID has dramatically impacted me um, just like it's impacted everyone. And so right now I really just take it one day at a time. Um, I forecast out six months at a time. I'm always just planning for the next season. Um, So right now I'm already planning for spring, summer 2021 and kind of thinking through how COVID will play out going forward um, and how that's going to impact my business. Um, Obviously taking measures in the store to limit the amount of people in the store. 
um, to have protocols in place um, to allow people to shop by appointment only or shop online. I, I instituted those new policies and, and initiatives, but it's it's been a struggle and I, I'm 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 not I'm someone who's very transparent and I I don't hide the fact that COVID has impacted I think all of us um, for better or for worse. Um, but it, it's 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 the world we live in now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, it definitely is uncertain right now and has affected so many businesses, but you know, hopefully, hopefully they can all come out on the other side of it. And then was there also any sort of challenges that you had to overcome when you were first starting out your business? Um, I know you said you opened November, 2019, um, but just the actual process of building your business in the beginning, um, did, was there any challenges you'd like to share overcoming that? I don't necessarily have any major challenges that, you know, that I encountered aside from COVID, which is, it was a massive challenge. Um, I think it's just a learning curve. Like I said, I came from such a strong finance and operational background, but I didn't have a design background, um, a visual merchandising background. Um, so I think for me, it was just kind of really pushing through and believing in myself whenever those challenges arose. I think the most part for a lot of women, we would say is more that self-doubt. Um, so it's pushing the noise away, pushing, you know, everyone will have an opinion or a comment. Um, and it's believing in um, myself. It's believing in my product and surrounding myself with a very, very strong support system. Um, that's one thing that I know that that I have noticed is helps my success is having a support system behind me um, because I am a one woman show having strong family that can help me friends that can help me building relationships where people know I might be here seven days a week during Christmas season it's it's having that understanding and that support and and that has helped me get through any of the challenges that I face when it's um, you know, when that, that self-doubt arises, and I think it arises in, in all of us, especially a startup, especially my first year with COVID and, and being a single female entrepreneur. Um, so I think that really the only challenges that I have faced. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched on some really great points there. And, you know, one was having that support system um, that's helped you sort of get the success of your business. Is there sort of one big success moment that really comes to mind um, looking back at your journey that you'd like to share? Um, I think the success moments are ongoing for me. I think it's the the feedback that I get from my clients. Um, It's the the repeat business that they they keep coming back to me that um, and that I'm still here. I, I, I'm proud that I'm a startup and less, like I say, well, less than one year and I've made it through COVID. And I think that's my greatest success is that I'm here and, and I'm, and I'm making it and I'm believing in what I do and I'm not, I'm not giving up. So, and I think that's really, really important as an entrepreneur is, because there's every day there's going to be a good day or there's going to be a bad day. And some days, you know, business is very slow and you start to have self-doubt. And um, I think it's just pushing through that and believing in who you are and, and being part of the community. And, 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 and that's, that's, I guess, my success moments. 
Yeah, absolutely. And those are definitely some really great moments. And I think it's definitely something to celebrate for all entrepreneurs that are going through that. And you you did give some really great pieces of advice through that as well. But is there sort of one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's maybe thinking of starting a business? Yes, I think first and foremost, as I've said over and over, you need to believe in yourself and your business model. And you just need to constantly push away any negativity or noise. And that would be more from an interpersonal perspective of advice that I would give to an entrepreneur. And the second is, is, you know, be operationally prepared. Um, What you see when you walk into my shop, you see this beautiful shop, you see beautiful home decor. It's very pretty. It's aesthetically pleasing, but that's probably only 20, 30% of Nomad, 70% is the behind the scenes. It's having a strong inventory management system. It's having, you know, having a strong grasp of your financials where you are on a daily basis, understanding your margins um, and cost containment. I think it's it's looking at things from a financial perspective. Obviously, I come from that background, so it's it's innate in me to want to to look at that. But I think that's what's allowed me to be here by myself and run the business as independent as possibly is being having a strong operational infrastructure in place. And I think that comes from the beginning when you launch a business is making sure that you have the appropriate technology and the platforms to alleviate that manual work and, and automate as much as you possibly can. So that was something that I instituted from the beginning was a very strong uh, point of sale system, an inventory management system. It's all integrated with my accounting platform. So I don't have to do as much manual at the end of the day. And I can focus on being a buyer or working on the shop floor. So it, it, I leverage that technology to my advantage. So that would be some of my advice that I could give is just set yourself up operationally very strong from the beginning um, so you're not scrambling years later to grow and just believe in yourself, believe in your product and and constantly remind yourself of what your mission is and what your model is because only you know. Yes, absolutely. I think those are some really great pieces of advice. And, you know, some may be things that people don't really think about when going into business. So I think it's it's really great that you pointed those out. Um, and thank you so much for sharing those pieces of advice, as well as your story um, and the background of your business. I Like I said, I think it's incredible, the messaging behind it and the values that you've integrated into the business. And would you like to just share with our listeners where they can find your business online? Yeah, sure. You can find our business online at www.nomadforhome.com. For the most part, all of our home decor and furniture products are online, but some of them aren't. A lot of our furniture selections are really done by a very bespoke and personalized process. So you come into the shop, you work with me, or I also work with two interior designers um, in case your project is a little bit bigger in scope. Um, But we put together either an entire project plan for you 
or what I do in the store also is if you're just looking for furniture, I'll help you put together some ideas for that room. I put together a mood board for you and we work together hand in hand to source the, those unique pieces of furniture um, for your home. You can also follow me on Instagram or on Facebook. I try to post regularly and we are here at 9 Main Street in Kingsville. I'm open from 11 to 6 Tuesday through Saturday and going into the holiday season we'll probably be opening a little bit later and on Sundays. But yeah, that's that's Nomad and that that's where we're at. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Melinda, for joining me here today and sharing your story and all about your business. Um, I loved hearing about it. And do you have just any sort of final thoughts for our listeners before we wrap up here? Yeah, I think if you are a female and you're thinking about entrepreneurship, I think it's it's something that, you know, taking a risk is 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 difficult at times but i think that we we need to do that and just always keep in the back of your mind that you know i'm a firm believer that success is when preparation meets opportunity and when that opportunity arises sometimes you just have to go for it and that's what nomad was it was you know preparation met opportunity and i went for it and um you know i'm i plan to be here for a while Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.